0: Welcome to the Hacking Happy Podcast, a podcast designed to arm you with the tools and experiments that enable you to define happiness on your terms and inject more of it into each day. I'm your host, Penny Lacasso. I'm the world's first happiness hacker, and I have a bold mission, a mission to teach 10 million humans how to realize happiness on their terms by 2025. So if you're ready to ignite your self-belief and inject more of what makes you feel good into each day, let's get started. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Hacking Happy Podcast. This week we continue on with our series of... Mums in Lockdown and I'm really excited today because I've got a very special friend with me who is also an unbelievable and world-renowned coach to C-suite executives and also high-profile individuals and she's got some very interesting insights to share off the back of her work in the context of what's going on at the moment for many of us who are still finding ourselves in lockdown or restrictions. Welcome Lisa Stevenson. Oh, well, gosh, no pressure. What a beautiful introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It
1: is so, this is going to be a really great conversation because I think you and I are known for our telling the truth Mm -hmm. and our authenticity about these things. And it is a truly, truly interesting time to be alive.
0: Oh, Is it what? Now, just to give context to our audience, you and I met maybe three years ago. Maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, and we were travelling around Australia for a speaking series with a group called Financial Executive Women and we landed in Perth and got to see each other speak and it was one of those serendipitous moments where magic happened and there was just an immediate connection and we've remained mates ever since.
1: I remember so clearly meeting you. It's funny, isn't it, how certain people come into your life. I actually, you and I have spoken about this. I remember what you were wearing and your energy. Chemistry is a real thing, isn't it, when we meet people out in the real world, which I can't wait to do again, by the way.
0: It's funny that you say that because I've just finished my first psychology subject and it was on social psychology and it's really interesting how we think opposites attract but it's a it's a myth the research actually shows that you seek out people who are similar.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's something about people who are like us, people who have our energy And it's easier, right? Like it makes sense when you have similar values and beliefs and, you know, that it's just going to be easier to connect. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
0: So let's start with the question that I always start with. It's my all-time favourite. Tell us who you are as a human being, Lisa Stevenson.
1: Oh, so I'm all things. I have all the... Insecurities, the loneliness, the stuff that I worry about that I know I shouldn't. I'm also very clear about my purpose, which is to serve thousands of people in the world in being the best version of themselves. I'm an okay cook. I'm single. I am very blessed to have a beautiful family that I'm very connected with. I feel like I have the best job in the world honestly that I have the best job in the world even though it's been very challenging over the past 18 months being a mum is the most important thing I do I'm a mum to three I'm obsessed with all things Italian <laughs> and the beach is where I refuel
0: I'm glad I know you because if I didn't I'd want to know you based on that. <laughs>
1: Such a nice reply. You speak to my
0: soul. And again, as we say, it's probably the similarities that attract us. You've always got a beautiful energy. The children are the centre of your universe, but you still are your own person. You're not defined by being a mother, if that makes sense, even though it's equally important.
1: Not defined by any particular thing, motherhood, or one of my favourite sayings is my job is what I do, not who I am. Mm. You know, I'm really serious about the work I do actually, but I'm also not that... You know, we are many things. Absolutely.
0: So just give us a snapshot, Lise, of how your life has changed since March 2020 when we hit the first lockdown because you're in Melbourne, even be it on the beach regional perspective. Tell us how your life has changed.
1: If when we first met, you'd said to me, hey, Lise, this is how what's going to play out over the next couple of years. I don't know if I would have run away or not believed you or my life is so fundamentally different Mm. in every regard. So, you know, my normal life pre COVID that has a lot of stuff that I miss actually Involved lots of travel. I love to travel. Love to travel. I love everything about travel. I love the jet lag, the food, the meeting of the new people, the hot, being on on stage in different places. In an average quarter, I would be in San Fran. I would be in London. I would be in Sydney. Most weeks, you know, I was on and off planes. Most of the work that we were doing were global programs around human potential and leadership and various things which involved us being in the room with people as well as the coaching work that we did. We did a lot of coaching work in Singapore and so I went from this life of madness really, juggling children and business and my team and clients and literally overnight, it all just, it stopped. All of it stopped. It just came to this very sudden halt where all of our programs were put on hold clients headspace was so filled with their teams and their own families that even coaching kind of just felt like was something that they just didn't have the capacity for and we found ourselves going what is going on and then personally I'm single so you have this reality of going oh I don't even have the prospect of meeting someone you know I'm not out in the world and I have these three beautiful children who all of a sudden were locked in a house with me. I mean, imagine. <laughs>
0: And tell us at what point, how long did it take, and I don't think there's any right or wrong answer to this, just intrigued, how long did it take for you to go, oh, this is not going to go away, I'm going to have to make a shift? Because you and I, you know, very similar in terms of the travel, in terms of loving the energy of being on a stage, in terms of constantly being in rooms filled with people, and I think for me that was where I felt the biggest sense of loss, it was that connection. At what point did you go, that's not going to happen anytime soon, I'm going to have to shift the business in a different way?
1: Yeah. (laughs) As I'm listening to your question, I'm like, "Mm, it all feels like so long ago and I think it took me some time because... I'm a ridiculous optimist and I'm actually very trusting. So I wasn't skeptical about anything. I wasn't particularly worried about things. I just wanted everyone to be safe. We just went into crisis management. So how do we support our clients? How do we make sure that we're available to people? How do we make sure that people aren't worried about invoices they can't pay? So it all just felt quite practical. And the lens that I chose, which I think was similar to lots of people, was Well, you know what, Lisa, take this opportunity, rest, sleep, eat well, go alcohol-free, clean out your house a bit, be really connected and with your children, all of the things that seemed like they were great very conscious of the impact on income and you know my team as well and I reckon it took us I think it took me a solid six months to go oh, oh hang on a second when we look at what's happening around the world this is not going away and actually this could be years in the making and I remember particular moments Penny where I would be sitting or listening when you'd hear someone say I think we'll have closed international borders for a year. And I was like, what? You know, so I, I think it took me six months to build a new strategy for the business, to change my mindset, to step out of crisis and into what does the next chapter now look like?
0: Mm. Was a bit slow, really. <laughs> and tell us about the juggle of three kids at home, running your business, shifting your business, yeah. How have you managed that? Yeah. Have have I managed it? That might be
1: the question. <laughs> I mean, you just kind of hope you haven't ruined your children too much. Mm. Um, are they going to be? So I think there's some things that You know, have gone really well and some things that have been hard. I think it's important that I acknowledge my children are teenagers when this started. My eldest has just turned 20 now. So I've been really blessed. I think a lot about those parents who've had small children at home. I think about those parents every day. So mine have been able to get onto Zoom and, you know, self determine a bit of their own learning and, you know, they can go outside and skateboard. They don't have to have me take them to the park. So I I kind of want to be realistic about that. But I must say, you know, the impact teenagers are not meant to be inside for months on end with no friends. Teenagers are meant to be Growing, having different diverse experiences. My youngest started high school last year and has had regional Victoria, where I am, has been considered as part of, you know, Melbourne, which has been a significantly long lockdown. So she's had very little high school. And so I think I've become much more conscious about the types of conversations we're having, the experiences that we're creating for each other. And also something I've been really aware of is what is the story that we're building as a family during this time? I don't want anyone else to tell us what that is because it's not all terrible. It's not all been terrible for us.
0: I love that. You determine your story. Yeah. And, you know, the story shifts and moves.
1: We have some days, weeks where we kind of, we're in a really lovely groove and boundaries feel pretty good. And I try to be really aware that, My work has totally invaded our home Mm. and their school has totally invaded our home. It's been a really significant thing to sort of have conversations to go, what's been really great about this week? What's been really hard about this week? What do we want to remember? And what are the things we want to let go of that aren't going to be great for our energy going forward? and having a really forward-focused mindset. You know, what are the things that we can plan, dream about, whilst acknowledging that this has been a truly ridiculously challenging time and that will change how these kids think and feel about the world.
0: So in that context, what sort of rituals do you have for yourself and perhaps with the kids that have kept you sane? Because I've found for me having consistency in certain aspects especially when it's intentional consistency where it's things that really make us feel good. Like Sax and I, for example, every time he's with me, we will set up the table tennis in the dining room and um, we play table tennis right. in all of our breaks. You know, little things, but it's ways that we break up the day where we connect and have a bit of fun. So what have you done, one for yourself but also with the kids to kind of keep you sane.
1: I love the visual of you guys doing your table tennis. I love that. Yeah. I've been talking to people about those micro breaks, Yeah, you know, micro breaks to re-energize, micro exercise to keep, you know, your energy going, all the things that we can do in short sort of bursts during the day. So our house has, I think, been a little bit different to some people's I think grown-ups and adults, there are particular people who really benefit from routine Mm -hmm. and that consistency of knowing when the things are going to happen that make you feel good and there's a real safety in that. I'm a little bit different, Penny. I have a very strong inner child and any form of routine makes me want to stab myself in the eye. (gasps) I have this, you know, so much of my work. I know so much of my work is really scheduled Mm. And, you know, so my diary gets sort of booked out a long way in advance. And and I don't always love that. And so our house is the opposite. We don't have a bedtime. We don't have a particular way that we run our day. I'm really not attached. And actually COVID, I've given myself more permission than ever to say what's more important for us is just having our non-negotiables. And it doesn't matter when we do them. Yep. So every day we have to do some exercise, but I don't really care when we do that. It's things like the other night, we, my new skill for this particular lockdown we're in now is I'm learning to skateboard, which has hurt a lot. And we had this rare, you know, relatively warm night and the kids and I went out skating and all of a sudden we got home and, you know, daylight savings has kicked in and it was eight o'clock and the kids went, Oh you know, uh, do you think we'll have dinner tonight? And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. You know, what should we cook? (laughs) So I find that when you're just in the flow of the day, Mm. you give yourself permission to not miss the beautiful moments. You give yourself permission to be in the stuff that's hard because some days you don't want to do anything or things, you know, feel more challenging than they did the day before. So our rituals and habits have been more around let's not have them But let's be clear about what we need to be emotionally, physically, spiritually healthy. So we meditate, we exercise, we eat the healthiest that we've ever eaten. You know, we prepare a lot of really healthy sort of meals. We also make sure that we give each other space. So if we don't feel like eating dinner together, we don't. We just don't. If everyone wants to take dinner into their room and put Netflix on and just kind of chill and not have to be together I think that's really valid. So I'm not mm. particularly attached to how our days need to be.
0: Oh, I love that. Line. Does that
1: sound really dysfunctional? And, no, it um, doesn't
0: <laughs> at all. And No, because of the way that it's framed. And I think it's important, yeah, that there are different ways to manage your mental health. There are different ways to keep yourself sane. I love that instead of rituals you have non-negotiables and like you say, it's kind of like keep yourself in check, tune in to where you're at and know that it's okay. That some days you won't want to feel like doing stuff, but there's things that need to have some consistency in order for you to stay well. I love that.
1: And I think your question was such a good one because you also asked about, you know, there's the rituals and habits you have as a family, but there's also what you need for yourself. Yeah. There's also being really aware that different people in your home have different needs and, I mean, Penny, has self-care ever been more important than it is right now?
0: No. Mm. It's funny because I actually think, actually say, I've consciously accepted working part-time and I say that to myself now because two things. Mm. One is I was trying to do what I was doing pre-COVID when we went into this. And after nearly six months, I was just exhausted because I was trying to be a really good mum, I was trying to homeschool my son, I was trying to take him to the park, I was trying to get all my work done. And I just felt like I was doing nothing well. And so I kind of reset my mindset and you know what? I said Mm -hmm. I'm going to work part-time. And what that looks like is that my days probably won't be as long. I'm not going to force myself to do that and I'm actually going to schedule a lunch break because I know if I don't for me, It won't happen and that lunch break is when Sax and I go and we kick the ball over in the park and it just helps me recharge, it helps him recharge. So when you say self-care, you know, I go and work out every morning over in the park again because the other things I miss the most is nature. And being in a you know, I'm six K's from the city in Melbourne. Mm. We used to do a lot of hiking, a lot of camping. And not being able to do that, I've kind of substituted it by doing my exercise, be it rain, hail or shine, in the park because it connects me with nature.
1: That's so great. So it's funny how you And it's just it's so good for you on every level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that part-time working has actually been like saying that to myself. It's been about surrendering, you know, and saying I don't have to be what I was before. It's not realistic to be what I was before. And like you said, it took me six months but it's like this is an opportunity to reshape how we live, how I work. And, you know, even as I think I've mentioned to you, I've decided three months ago to go back to university and actually study psychology because it's been a lifelong passion. And, you know, that has impacted how much I can work as well because it's a massive commitment. But I kind of feel like I was saying to a girlfriend this morning, it's almost like you kind of got to step, I wouldn't say backwards, it's kind of like stepping sideways to get a different perspective in order to shape things in a way that suits the direction that you want to head in within the constraints.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this has been so polarizing Mm. in that we do have an opportunity right now to be really conscious about what success means for us going forward. You know, as you say, having that different perspective and thinking about life differently. Coaches have talked for many, many years about design your life and craft your life and decide what you want your story to be and all the right beautiful things. But now we actually really do have that chance. And I think one of the challenges we're going to have going forward is that how do we hang on to the things that we've enjoyed? I mean, some people have really enjoyed working from home. They've enjoyed, they've realised they actually like their families. (laughs) You know, there's this opportunity that we have to say, what does personal and professional success mean? you know, mean for me going forward because it might be quite different to what it was before.
0: So just to
1: close out,
0: what do you do other than you said you go to the beach, that is your energy. Is there anything else in terms of self-care that really works for you?
1: Yeah, I've actually had to up the ante on the self-care. I was getting to that point where I just felt tired all the time, you know, because you're doing all this output all day, aren't you, with kids and work and all of those tasks that go with the day. And so I have been a meditator for many, many years. So meditation is very much part of how I look after myself, at least once a day, normally twice a day. I walk, one of my non-negotiables is to walk five kilometres before I start my day. If that's impossible for some reason due to working crazy time zones or something, I'll get it in somewhere else. But that's kind of a bare minimum. I also really friendship and having those connections with people who tell us the truth, love us really hard, care about us doing well, spending time and hanging out with the right people, even remotely, has a really big impact on my self-care. And we've had to find some different ways. You know, pre-COVID, I was one of those people who had my Friday afternoon massage booked in and, you know, a lot of the things that I used to do, Pilates classes and, you know, I haven't been able to do during lockdown. So I think that's the other thing that's really important is to make sure that we've got the right practices. But the beach Pilates, there's particular things I do with my children as well that, you know, are really energizing. And probably the biggest thing, Penny, is doing something new Mm. You know, so I can't describe to you. I mean, imagine me on a skateboard. I'm so <laughs> uncoordinated. But I have found that, you know, learning a new skill that is ridiculous or about being playful mm. is such great self care. Like now, at the end of the day, it actually helps me have stricter boundaries. Like, as ridiculous as this sounds, the minute I'm finished my last coaching session or my last call, I'm like, oh, I can get out and skate. I mean, what? It's ridiculous. So I think finding those fun things are really important
0: too. Without a doubt. So talk to me about your work because the last time we spoke, what you were receiving in terms of inquiries was fascinating to me, given one, I'm studying psychology, but two, a lot of what we've been talking about on the podcast has been mental wellbeing and mental health and how so many people are struggling to get the support that they need, especially here in Melbourne after, gosh, nearly two years of lockdowns. Talk to us about what you're seeing in your work because it's quite a shift from the conversation we had. Yeah,
1: it's a really significant change. I mean, the work that we do is normally very much about, you know, coaching and programs and CEOs and elite athletes. And what we found is that Our phones now ring with people who are in crisis Mm. and unable to get the support they need, you know. So we're telling everyone, ask for help if you need it. And we, you know, get calls from mums and dads saying, can you please have a call today with my 16-year-old son? And, you know, we try to explain to people there's quite a significant difference between coaching and counseling you know we are not practicing psychologists we are coaches and that is more about listening and asking questions and helping people find their way and people aren't really interested in that conversation they're just desperate I'll do whatever you know there's a four-month wait for psychologists and I just need for my 16 year old to feel like they've got a safe place to talk you know women in the home saying I was already tired going into COVID And now, you know, I'm doing more housework, more cleaning, and I'm juggling my work. I never have a moment to refuel and I can feel that the breaking point is coming and I don't know what to do about it. Like where do you go and what do you do? Husbands, partners, leaders in the workplace, you know, ringing to say, are there any quick fixes? You know, like we've stepped a bit away from all of that beautiful strategic stuff and people saying, gosh, how do we just get through today? So it's felt like there's been this really kind of momentary shift, Penny, where people are feeling like I just need to get through today yeah. and if I have enough emotional capacity, I want to think about how I can set tomorrow up to be a bit better. So that's that's not at all what our business has been and it's been both honestly a privilege To be that listening ear, to be that voice, to be that person, our whole team has, without sounding too dramatic, say, gosh, how would we measure how many lives we might have saved? Mm. The suicide calls that come into us are significant, but it's also been exhausting. It really is true that we are all in this together. You know, we are all really impacted by this.
0: How do you respond to those queries, Lise? Like how do you navigate the significance
1: Yeah. You can imagine calling me if suicide is something that's on your mind. I'm really warm and I care deeply about people. And what I've really found is that people just need an, an anchor point in the moment. And I'm not giving this as advice or saying that this is the right thing to do, but I find a perspective check and, you know, telling people that I hear them And telling them how brave and awesome it was that they called and just helping them to break it down a bit and go, so who else could you ring? Because actually, there's probably a whole lot of people that do care about you and would love to receive a call from you, would feel privileged actually to have this trusted conversation with you. It's really interesting, Penny, to me that in an experience where so many people are having a shared experience around the world, people feel so isolated. And so my response is generally quite practical, Mm. probably with an inappropriate joke in there somewhere because I'm not a psychologist, but also getting people to just have that perspective to go, this isn't going to pass quickly, but it is going to pass. And I truly believe that if we can take some learning lessons from this, if we can turn our insights and the pain into more resilient versions of us, Mm. then what else might be possible? So when someone's in that really heightened state of stress, of course, they often can't think about the possibility or, or the optimism, but I often talk about it anyway. I go, until you feel like you can feel it for yourself. Let me carry some of that for you. Like I trust you are going to be okay. It's just tough because I know so many leaders and mums, you know, mums are having these conversations with their friends and most of us didn't have that skill. You know, we're not psychologists. We've had yeah. to learn. So
0: based on what you're seeing with the amount of people that are ringing, be it suicidal or with mental health issues, because they've got nowhere else to go. Do you have any perspectives on what would support these people better or what individuals can do to support their friends better?
1: Oh, that's such a big question. I mean, I think ultimately there's sort of not a place to lay blame. We were just really underprepared and I think we're still underprepared and we need to have many, many more conversations about next year. We don't understand yet the post-traumatic distress that will occur for our teenagers, for the COVID babies that haven't learnt how to do childcare and separation from from their mum or their dad or both. I think we need to get much more strategic about the conversation about well-being, the impact, the flow and effect. I also am really passionate about what I call self-determined learning and development You know, I think there's a time coming right now. There's so much fatigue around, but there is a time coming and I would love for people to be doing this before Christmas if they can manage it, to sit down with that blank piece of paper. And self-determined means I'm going to decide, you know, I'm going to decide what I want next year to look like Mm. and I'm going to spend some time making myself my most important project Who do I need to speak to? What strategies do I want to put in place? What does success, ambition, love, relationships, what do those things mean for me? What are the opportunities that I want to create for myself next year? I think there's a lot of calm and comfort that can come from being really responsible for ourselves if you're someone who can step into that. Is (laughs) there
0: anything that you wish people would
1: ask you that they don't? I mean, the first thing that came to mind, Penny, was I really appreciate it when people ask me how I am. I really, it means a lot to me when I think there's just something so beautiful about just asking someone how they are and actually really wanting to hear their answer. That's a really, a real gift that we can give
0: people. Lise, I think that is so interesting because the first episode of this series, I spoke to another friend who is a psychologist who obviously is working a lot at the moment. And she said something very similar. She said, people forget that you're still a human when you're on the other side. And it's a lot like what you've been doing. When you're on the side of support and helping people navigate the really hard stuff, it's, I'd say, more rare that people actually ask you how you are, because maybe they assume you've got all the tools going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just thought it was interesting because she said exactly the same thing. She said, it's so rare that people actually ask me how I am just because of the nature of the work. And Mm. she said the same thing. She really appreciates it. I I think that makes a lot of sense. It's such a simple thing, right? Yeah, such a small thing. Don't assume that because someone's strong or they come across as strong or like they've got it all together that they actually – haven't got shit going on. Do you know what I mean? And often, like, it's funny, you know, my mum always says to me, oh, you're you're the strongest one, so we know you're okay. It doesn't matter what happens and I still need to be asked the questions. Thank you so much, Lee. It's always lovely to see you. Yeah,
1: thank you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. I loved this.
0: Can you tell us where people can find out more about you and the amazing work that you do? Uh, So people head to
1: www.thecoachplace.com. You can find about all of the things that we do there and um, where people can become members with our platform. I'm also Instagram obsessed. You can look up The Coach Place and all the other places, but they're the two common ones and we love
0: to hear from people. Thanks, hun. Have a beautiful rest of the day. You too. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Hacking Happy Podcast. If there was something that ignited a flame or sparked a thought within you, From this conversation, please take a screenshot and share it on your preferred social media platform. Feel free to tag me in, Hacking Happy Co. or Penny Lacalzo. Reviews are so important to reaching my goal of making 10 million beautiful humans just like yourself happier. So if you enjoyed your listen, please take a moment, leave a review and a rating on your preferred podcast listening platform. Until the next episode, remember, happiness looks good on you. Bye for now.